Luke, I hope you're ready for an episode about America's greatest pastime. The greatest pastime? What could that possibly... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, burping. America's greatest pastime. Let's get into it, bro. Oh, man. What are some of your top... <laughs> what are your top burps? Let's talk. Let's talk. What are you... You kind of a big and round belcher? Are you more of those... A little, little burpy burper? You, you want to take it from the top again? You know what's really embarrassing? <laughs> Do I want this on the podcast? I'll just say it. What? I fart so much more than I burp that when you ask me about burps, all I could think of was farts. <laughs> yes, I wish we were talking about farts. Ask me about farts. It's like if I, I okay, asked hold on, you... Hold on. Like, Is that not everyone? Really? Does not everyone fart more than they burp? I hope so. I For my sake. I. You know what? I want to say I do both quite a bit. I think I'm whatever the equivalent of ambidextrous is there, um, but I I know I burp after I eat anything. Like I'll have oh. no matter what, I always burp after I eat stuff. I had had someone point that out to me because I didn't realize it. I don't know how like what I fart in response to, so I feel like it's more inconsistent. Can you can you ask the room that you're in? Just this sampling. By the way, I've got a lot of house guests over. I know, Evan, you're recording in Canada. I'm here in Minnesota and America. Um, so you don't, you can't see, but I'm entertaining at the moment. Um, and you want me just to take a sampling? Yeah. just Okay. A- um, if you uh, give me a moment. Hang on. Let me just get through the hustle and bustle here to the... Uh, excuse me. Hey, everybody. Could I, have, uh, could I have your attention, please? Could I get your attention, please? Hey, everybody. Um... Could I ask, I'd like a, just a show of hands. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I fart more or if I burp more on average. I'm trying to do a really tight intro for this podcast I record. <laughs> it's the Scooby Doo's. It's where two best friends talk about their favorite uh, meddling kids <laughs> and their dumb dog too. My name's Luke, my co-host is Evan. Do, show of hands, you guys know me really well. Who thinks that I fart more? Hey, excuse me, hey. I'm actually, yeah, I do need your attention here. <laughs> Put many people in the room. Do hold your hand up if you think I fart more than I burp. Okay, okay, hand, hands down. Now hold your hand up if you think I burp more than I fart. Okay, every hand in the room just went up. That's definitive. I burp more than I fart. Nodding heads, thank you. Everyone, please. All right, thank you. Go back to your, uh, go back to your... All right, what really that... floors me about, I, and I can I see that you're having a party right now. There are people milling around mm-hmm. all about, but they're so silent. I no, actually, I have to say, it might be coming through a little fuzzy to you, Evan. But I'm just I'm hearing all the noise, all the hustle and bustle. People are jostling me and bumping the mic, spilling drinks on it. This is gonna be a nightmare to edit and post. But you know what I'm gonna do? It I'm gonna make it sound perfect. You're not you aren't gonna be able to hear the single dropping of a pin and we've got a pin dropping station as well. People are loving that. It's right next to the fondue fountain. Um what more do we really need to say except that we're covering the demon of the dugout? And so the demon of the dugout, for those of you who are checking in to see what episodes we're doing exactly, this is the Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo show. Uh the first series, episode seven from the first season. And here's the premise from the mm. Scooby Wikia. The gang is in Japan for a baseball game involving the American team versus Japanese team for the baseball diamond. But during the game, a demon appears from the dugout. 
Wow, what a treat we're in for this episode. It's a goodie. We're recording it. There are, I'm going to advertise it early in this episode, no burps anywhere in the entire episode. I do remember, though, at one point in the recording, I did fart. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm, yeah, I do. Re- I remember it specifically, <laughs> and I made a mental note of him. Like, oh, I got to go back and take that out, or it's gonna show up. Um, so we'll see if that makes it in. I, I hate so much that this intro started out with me burping. <laughs> can you do it again, oh. just to close this out? <laughs> can I, can I manufacture a fake burp? When I was in elementary school. <laughs> that was what made you cool. Is if you could do a fake burp. You know, I remember a Is point if you could in which burp on command. It was if you could do fake farts on command. What? You know, like especially with your armpit. Oh, with your armpit or something, not like with your butt. <laughs> I guess it's not. I said fake <laughs> farts on command. <laughs> you know, you know, you suck up, you suck up a lot of air, and then you really, it's not a real fart. <laughs> it's not a real fart. You know, I'm almost certain this is getting cut. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So, the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show. In fact, just Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, um... Not there's no a V involved in it, I don't believe. Can we talk about the series to begin with? Um, so this is the first series, and and we've touched on this in the past, but Scooby Doo is doing okay, like not as ideal as they would have wanted. They're like, let's bring in more viewers, let's add a child sidekick, but in this case, the child is a dog. Let's add a puppy sidekick, Scrappy Doo. But who is functionally a child? I mean, for one thing, has the physique of a toddler, and is an annoying encumbrance throughout the entirety of every episode he appears in. So, very much a child presence in the show. And we kind of, the theme song introduces us to Scrappy. This is the series where the theme song opens up with Scooby meeting Scrappy for the first time at a train station. Hiya, Uncle Scooby. My note on the, the theme song is that I forgot how many times Scrappy yells, Let me at him! During the theme song, well, during otherwise musical sequences. Let me at him! Let me at him! Like, shut up! Uh, I had that feeling this episode, but towards a different character. Oh! Was it one of our central characters or one of the tertiary? It was one of our central characters. Wow, I'm very interested in this. I can't wait to hear. Well, the, the episode gives us this setting pretty early on. We're here in Tokyo, Japan, is what a baseball announcer says straight to the mic. Right to begin. I would hope that our listeners would know this. Um, just because I think very highly of them. I think that they're an educated, savvy bunch. Mm, I don't think so. I think you're going to need to tell them whatever it is that's on your mind. No matter how dumb and obvious what you're about to say is. And listeners, it's not that I think less of you. It's that I know you. <laughs> <laughs> so baseball is quite popular in Japan. And so this episode mm-hmm. takes place in Japan. As we said in the intro, it is called The Demon of the Dugout. It Things start off... well. I think before we hop in proper, I just in broad strokes, we know this episode takes place in Japan. Did you think it was going to be racist? I would. I thought probably. I thought I knew. I would have bet money there was going to be something racist in it. I would have been shocked if that was not the case. Simply because we have seen um, a big trouble in Little Scooby or whatever it was called <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> That's a horrible pun name. 
Um, but and it was it had some racist stuff in it. Sad to say. So I, I didn't have a great deal of hope for this because it's not that much later. What did you think we were gonna see in this episode? Um, I thought that we might see some racism, for sure, for sure. Um, but I will say they meet a number of Japanese characters, and the accents are varied. Yeah, just 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 to span the uh, the range a little bit, some of the characters' voices uh, the, of the Japanese characters seem to indicate an accent, but not to necessarily be a stereotype of an accent. Do you think that's fair? I just, I, I was glad that there was a range, because I think mm. that's true any, anywhere. I mean, I take two of our favorite uh, TV shows, Fresh Off the Boat and Kim's Convenience, both involve Asian actors putting on an accent for the sake of the character who is less acclimated or less fluent than they are themselves. And I think it works in those shows. Is that what they're doing here? I just, I, I think so little of our past <laughs> that to me, I was just like, <laughs> I look, I haven't looked into it. I don't know who's voicing these characters. I would bet dollars to donuts, they're just white voice actors. And I think if you asked a white voice actor in the, I think this would be the 70s or at least early 80s, it, to voice a Japanese mm. character, in my mind, super offensive. But I want to say that for the most part, the accents, the voices that are being chosen, pretty downplayed, not subtle, but like not not in your face, no. not like beating you over the head with it. No, nor do I think it's trying to, to say something about the culture that it's from or make some kind of statement uh, about these uh, the person with the accent, like they're less than or something, until... Maybe the last 30 to 60 seconds of this episode, I thought we'd get through without a truly racist caricature of an Asian person. And then the police officer that showed up was the exact opposite of the one that we saw in the last episode. The police officer who ends up helping them to apprehend, or he doesn't help them, but he, I guess... He just shows up just to be like, hey, racism is still here, still a problem. His accent was the worst. His accent was the worst, and like the way they drew his character, it was no exaggeration. Mickey Mickey Rooney appearing as Mr. Yuniyoshi in Breakfast at Tiffany's as the police officer at the end of the episode. It was 100% from every angle that racist. Coke bottle glasses, like the teeth, the way of speaking, it was all there. Uh, I, the voice is what really caught me. I, I didn't so much notice the the character design. But it is, it is an unfortunate capper to what I think, on the whole, seems like a pretty, if not super respectful, because respectful makes it seem like you're going above and beyond, just like a pretty reasonable portrayal of Japan. Yeah, I'd say for the most part, it's pretty, I mean, it's okay. It's, they're, they're not, I'm, I, the, the tricky thing for me is that I'm looking for it now. Because we've seen it once before, now I'm like, is it here? Is it there? I'm looking every frame. It's hard not to judge it by um, the worst case scenario. And the end does deliver exactly that. But for most of the episode, I didn't see that throughout. I thought it was a pretty faithful or at least uh, non-offensive tour of Japan. Especially the taxiing through Tokyo scenes, I thought, were very much like, hey, we're, we're here in this wonderful culture. We're getting to see a little bit of it. So, Oh, really quick. Before we get into the, what happens in the episode, the demon of the dugout never appears in the dugout at any point. Never goes near the dugout at any point. Not only is the creature or the monster of this episode not near the dugout, 
also never referred to as a demon. No, a dragon beast. We have a dragon beast this episode. And also, should not have been called a dragon beast. Should have been a dragon man. If you think dragon beast, you think it's a dragon, but extra beastie. No. This is a dragon, but super manny. <laughs> like, he looks so much like Manny from Modern Family. I think they got him to voice him on this one. You know what? Kind of a similar boxy physique. You know, and I don't think that's inaccurate. Not entirely. Oh, man. I'm not sure who we're being mean to here. What were you going to say we're about We're definitely the being mean to the real-life living person who portrays Manny Delgado. I feel bad for this fictional character. <laughs> oh, man. Who was, by the way, voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, totally a white dude. So, like you said, Tokyo, Japan. Uh, I, I'm going to be commenting whenever they do something do that it. is particularly not racist and kind of cool. Um, it's it's a final game of an international baseball series. And right now, um, it's it's 3-2, to two, best of 7. U.S. is beating Japan. Um, and they look unbeatable. And while that might be sort of like, a, oh, okay, obviously... Uh, we, we can't show the U.S. is doing anything but losing to Japan, but they balance it. America's greatest pastime, yeah. blah, blah, blah. What we find out later on in the episode is that Japan has won every other international series. They've never let go of the trophy, which is the baseball diamond, a baseball player holding up a giant diamond above his head. Along with that, they could have very easily made it 3-3, a tie game. Making it 3-2 to America's favor, there's no reason to do that, really. And I think it would be more tense if it was tied. I, can't, I, th- I think it makes sense to be 3-2, because it looks like America's going to take home the trophy. Mm. So it really seems like it's not up in the air as who's going to win. And, and for our listeners, you'll, I think what I'm saying will make more sense as the mystery progresses. Yeah, I, I take your point that it feeds into the mystery well, but I think it would have been extra mysterious if we... I guess, had no clue who could have been motivated to do this because the game could have really gone either way. Um, but the game is interrupted. Where we might have seen the conclusion, America presumably taking home the trophy or a further game having to be played, the dragon beast ap- appears on the, uh, on the pitch, the pitcher's mound. So Casey Temple, an American player, is up to bat. If he scores a home run, I assume there are guys on base. But if he scores a home run, for the first time in the history of this event... U.S. will win. This is not so great. The Japanese pitcher, his name is Yakitori. That's just a noodle dish. I Okay, dude, I didn't even look it up. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I've been playing this game called Takedo on my phone, and Yakitori is absolutely a noodle dish in it. It's very delicious. I very don't delicious. believe it's a surname. Uh, maybe maybe that's a nickname? We're giving a lot of benefit of the doubt here. I, let's let's sorry, go really in quick, on this. I may. Casey at the Bat is a very famous baseball song about a celebrated uh, baseball player named Casey who uh, struck who struck out at the bat when he was expected and needed to hit a homer or at least hit something. You did. There's no way you knew this off the top of your head. I actually did know that while watching it. Are you? Wow. That's huh. The thing is, I uh, <laughs> did a Luke's Finest a while ago based on "Take Me Out Tooth." The ball came. And so Casey at the bat came up in a search for baseball songs. The other thing I want to mention is I think William Turner is a name that's mentioned on the pitch at one point. Will Turner of Pirates of the Caribbean. Just a connection. Hmm. I do love the first Pirates of the Caribbean. I also love the first one, and you've seen all of them. Uh, What were you going to... Sorry, take it from there. I wanted us to go in on the Dragon Beast, because he shows up, as you said, on on the pitch, on the pitcher's mound. He says what is pretty... Not not atypical for a ghost especially in a foreign country trespassers you have defiled my resting place long enough 
what does he look like? He looks like straight up a dude in a robe with a giant dragon mask on his head, like you would see at uh, a Chinese New Year festival. Well, like. kind of, because Chinese dragons have a very specific face. Mm. This guy, I think his face looks more like a cartoon dog, like specifically the Hanna-Barbera style of dog. Yeah, I I see what you mean. So it's a black and green. Here's here's what how, how I'll describe the Dragon Beast to our listeners. A black and green cartoon dog face mask, a blonde wig, or a yellow wig. <laughs> blonde balding down the center with like long hair parting down the sides. And um and then a robe. Not like a kimono, but like a I guess like a like a pretty standard just like pan Asian robe. Uh, and uh, kind of like dragon-ish, sharp-ish teeth and claw, slightly webbed clawed hands, very much swamp creature, creature e. I think anyway, I think you're you're making the dragon beast sound too scary and or threatening. This is like so so fake. It looks like a bad Halloween costume. This is one of the least frightening monsters I think I've ever seen on Scooby. I mean, we go down the list. He's he talks from the start. He's humanoid. He wears clothes. He uh, claims to be a ghost who, like, is a disturbed spirit here, but doesn't really demonstrate, at least to start, anything other than being a dude in a robe. There's no specificity, I think, is the thing. He says, you've disturbed my resting place, but it's like, okay, are you dead? Yeah, like, oh, is this an ancient you burial ground or something? And- I, I also kind of half wanted and expected the people in the stadium to be like, hey, we're part of this culture, man. We know there's no thing here. There's like, actually a Japanese audience member who says something along the lines of, it's the dragon beast. <laughs> so that's, and that's, I think, how we're supposed to read it, is we're supposed to take it as, oh, this is a fictional, but in the context of the show, real um, mythology and history here in this baseball stadium. But, but they don't go into it at all. And Not I think even a that's bit. because the creators of the show realized that this was, like, mere fluff, and they're just like, you know what, we're just going to ride this out we're not gonna go into it people are just gonna they're just gonna buy it it's fine they're just gonna go with the flow and and you know what i think that's that's not the worst i don't think it would have really benefited from having a lot more exploration what do you think i kind of respect them for that i kind of respect it a little bit more than them going in and making creating fake mythology like um m night Shyamalan and lady in the water don't get me wrong i like lady in the water barf but M. Night Shyamalan makes the mythos in Lady in the Water, it's supposedly like East Asian or Korean or something, and then he gives these creatures names like Narf, and I'm just like, okay, buddy. <laughs> Wasn't right. it one of the ones that he's like, this is a story I told my kids or something like that? It's like, your kids have bad taste in names. Uh, Paul Giamatti is still earning back my trust from that. But he was so good in Liar Liar. When I think of Paul Giamatti, I think Liar Liar. The Frankie Munitz... Amanda Bynes vehicle. There was a time when I would have watched almost anything with Frankie Muniz, and now it's uh, now I would not, for no real real reason, I guess. Well, it's because he doesn't work anymore. Do anything? Yeah, I guess that's the real reason is that he doesn't work anymore. Not he doesn't have to. He just does NASCAR races or whatever. He went the Rowan Atkinson he has, route. He, yeah, he has the money, and I guess he's held on to it. So uh, here's one thing that I think is really. Interesting about this episode is the entirety of this episode takes place in an evening. You're right. I can't know. Yeah, it does. Because at partway through the episode, the gang goes back to the hotel they were supposed to go to originally. Not back to, but goes to the hotel they were supposed to go to originally. But then they leave there that same night. They don't spend the night there. It all takes place within, so, within a night. This and is I, a long night. 
and I was originally gonna gonna rag them or flame them for not portraying jet lag accurately, but since it would have been the daytime in the states, I want to say that they're just running as if they were still on American time. Mm, I still think they would have been. I mean, to hop that pond. I mean, to make that trip overseas, you're spending at least 12 hours in the air. Oh, 100%. They would have had to have slept really well on the plane to be running around at this stage. What what they do on the plane is they try to schedule meals and then opening and closing windows to to acclimate you to the country that you're visiting. Hmm. Maybe on the plane that they were on, stewardesses or whatever just after Just we're not doing that. This is an earlier time. I, I do like that... After we get introduced to the dragon beast, who again I think should have been a dragon man, more humanoid than bestial compared to a dragon, we cut to the gang at the airport. And I like the airport as a setting. I really like that. Scrappy does what every one of us wants to have done and goes to try to get their luggage himself. Nobody likes standing next to the carousel waiting for their suitcase to come down. They really communicated the slow churn of that carousel line with the luggage slowly going past. And I almost thought we were going to have a Toy Story 2 type sequence of going inside the carousel, which Scrappy ultimately does climb in and unfortunately is not ground into beef. Wait, no, he wouldn't. that wouldn't happen. Do you think... When you grind <laughs> up meat, it becomes beef. Also, do you think that there's a grinder inside That's of a grinder, the, lu- yeah. the luggage conveyor? No, I think when you, the, one direction, it puts luggage out. But the opposite of that is grinding into beef. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I hand you luggage, I'm just handing you luggage. If you hand it back to me, it will become ground into beef. <laughs> okay, I said something really dumb. But there, Scrappy is doing what we've all dreamt of doing as kids and probably even adults on a trip to the airport. Uh, he messes around with the carousel, the baggage carousel. This is why I don't do check luggage. Well, I'm also like a single man who only goes for very short trips. So if I can, I put everything in a duffel and it just goes in the overhead bin. I'm a young married man. I check not my own luggage, but I'm always at the carousel. Oh. Yeah, it's too bad, but... They, the gag here happens with somebody else's luggage that they're messing with, and that feels kind of bad. Yeah, Scooby goes in to retrieve his nephew, and he comes out within the suitcase of, uh, I guess, a white woman, a tourist. A tourist who's voiced by the same person voicing Velma, not doing a different voice. Pulling a real Casey Kasem here. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Scooby pops out of her luggage kind of impossibly, and Scrappy does the same thing from, like, her hat box. The first of many scrappy gags. After that, uh, you mentioned a William Turner, Willie Turner. Willie That's Turner right. is the coach for the U.S. team, and his expectations are a little unreasonable. He expects to get 20 tickets to the States tonight. They meet up with Willie Turner, and they find out that, no, the game has been canceled. And he he does not want to endanger his team. He saw this, this man in this suit <laughs> and was just like, yeah, I got to get us out of here. ASAP. Yeah, this American baseball coach has never seen a mascot before or anything like it. (laughs) You'd think he above everyone could identify this as what it is. A dude in a costume trying to get people excited. A few additional details. Uh, So the Dragon Beast shows up in a puff of green sulfurous smoke. Super thick. I kind of like the heavy weight thickness of the smoke. I did. I I thought it was very effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And also appears to grow quite large within the smoke. Mm. Like it seems to like uh, help him grow to a monstrous oh, size, right. and, he, and then he promptly disappears. Mm. 
So there seems to be uh, some sort of supernatural element to this to this yeah. creature. Um, I like that when when Willie tells them about this uh, this beast, and uh, and then Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy show up with all the luggage. Velma just turns to them and says, "We're going to Nakamura Stadium to investigate this." It's there is no shot of anyone discussing it or reaching the same page. It's almost like Velma made an executive decision. Oh, you, you mean oh, we came all this way just to chase a ghost again? Let me put it this way, Shaggy. Yes. I loved that dialogue. Velma's line readings throughout this episode are freaking grade A gold, man. 24 karat. Uh, that that was an incre- also an incredible meta moment as we're kind of getting this uh, taxiing tour of Tokyo on their way to the stadium. We don't have to have this connective tissue, these sequences of seeing the city, but it makes the episode feel so much more real and lived in. I really enjoy it. Me too. Um, they show up to the stadium. They go there. They go to up to an office. They are going to Mr. Husai, who owns the stadium. I want to comment that Mr. Husai is written on the door, in an Asian font. Did they do that? Oh gosh. And I, let me just say, in Japan, they already have Japanese. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't do it in English. This is his. Uh... That maybe they had an earlier sign that was in Japanese or something like that. It, it, I just mean that like. They're not trying to make... They don't need to make the English letters look Japanese. It's they English just, to the... <laughs> they've got Japanese for that. Yeah. It's it's literally only for, I guess, for us as the viewers. Like, it can't have been for anyone else. Yeah, it's kind of like how in America, we, we write things in Japanese-looking script in English. They've got... They put their Japanese lettering in, like, ye old English font. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> they do their they have their own version. You know what? I can't even imagine what I'm trying to reference, but it's, there's something there. You're just trying to reverse engineer it, and I think you're you're hitting it in that it's completely illogical. It's, it like makes no sense. It. Okay, it can't be done, and that's the part that makes sense about this. Um, what do you think of Mister Husai as a character? Is he a caricature? No, I think he's just. I think he he's just a guy who owns a stadium. Um, he tells them that. He shows them the trophy, with which, as you said, has a big diamond in it. The Japanese have always won this event. Um, it's it's one of those typical, and I think the last time we touched on this was in the Supernatural crossover episode, mm. Scooby Natural, um, in that if this mystery is not solved, a property will have to be sold. Yes, it's that same thing. So they're trying to save him the trouble of selling the property, and presumably they want the baseball game to continue. Um, he also, I don't think we ever see, we never see the conclusion of that game, do we? We don't. We also we never see hear about it. That um, that Mr. Husai, he he's a he owns many businesses. So while he owns the stadium, if if he does have to sell it, he has many other businesses that need his attention. So it's not a huge deal. I also want to say in that scene, the gang shows up. They're like, "Hey, we heard there's a ghost. We we, we want to be able to help." And all that Mr. Husai says is, "I need to be very careful right now. This is a difficult time." He never says, I accept your help. He never encourages them on their path. But the gang clearly takes it that way because they proceed to go all over the stadium after hours. Considering how after hours it is, uh, Scooby and Shaggy do find a cart that says sashimi. Oh, yeah, because Shaggy... Shaggy's like, I got to eat before I mystery solve. Like, dude, you're not going to mystery solve anyway. You're just going to be looking for the eats. Like, that must be Japanese for hot dogs. Sashimi. Uh, and then, so he creates a sandwich. Open face, open yep. faced, not mm-hmm. closed. An open face sandwich that, to my untrained eyes, 
mostly looked like salad. Salad. I was going to say all spinach. He's like pulling like, yeah, a little tilapia here. He's pulling a little salmon there. He's got uh, maybe some eel here. And it becomes like uh, the transformation of Christ's body. Uh, it, it becomes spinach as he piles it onto this open-faced hot dog it's bun. It's mostly greens. And then maybe dotted with bits of red here and there, which I mm. guess could be tuna, possibly. We then have a gag. Then- Sorry, go ahead. Well, and here's the thing. Scooby, as he is wont to do, um, consumes said sandwich. Mm-hmm. And then Shaggy's always the loser. Shaggy, Shaggy, it's never that Scooby makes something and then Shaggy eats it. That's not how things work around here. No, no, no. It's only the other way around. Shaggy makes his sandwich and Scooby eats it. And I guess that's a low... Key, I mean, there is... That's truth in comedy, I think, to a degree. Because dogs will eat what you prepare for yourself. And there is a... A long-running trope of like you make something you leave it on the counter and the dog eats it when you come back it's I mean, art imitating life yeah art imitating life that's a good way of putting it that's um also like the entire premise of garfield but the the way that this gag completes in a way that here's one of the moments that i thought this is straight up kind of racist and like culturally insensitive they spin the sign around and they see the on the other side of sashimi is raw fish and Shaggy's like oh looks like you ate raw fish scooby who reacts as if someone just said drugs I I, okay I want to give them props because a less Mm. informed show and let me tell you between now and when this episode came out there have been a multitude of perpetrators of this right I I think what you're about to say is something that I would not expect Scooby-Doo to necessarily get right today in a lot of shows some of them live action it'll be like Oh, sushi, it's raw fish. No, sashimi specifically is raw fish. Sushi needs to have a vinegared rice component. Absolutely, and could have cooked fish, could have no fish. Yeah, there's egg sushi. There's no fish mm-hmm. in that at all. There's so, veggie sushi. Yeah. The fact that they went with like, oh, sashimi is raw fish. I was like, okay, you did literally the modicum of research required that so many of your peers and successors have completely neglected to do i mean it's uh but then they they take that research and they still go such a a close-minded stereotype route with it here's okay here's what i hate about it i hate it because scooby-doo is a dog scooby you as a canine as a beast as an animal Mm. have a digestive that allows you to consume raw flesh yeah, like this is, you would prefer raw fish to cooked fish, presumably. Don't come at me being like, oh, gross, I ate raw fish. You're a dog. That is very much, I mean, at least they didn't go a eating dog route in this episode. I think we've been grateful both times around that they've skirted that joke. You know what? I think there might be an episode that does hit on it. We haven't uh, done it yet. It's We're probably going to do it it'll, closer to the end of the no year. No doubt it'll happen sooner or later. But that is, it's like, it's like a neo-Nazi reading the Torah you're doing all this research, but then you're still reaching such a close-minded, ignorant conclusion. It is It is sad. And, and again, so this is where it falls in line with its peers. They're like, oh, sushi, raw fish, or in this case, accurately, sashimi, raw fish, disgusting, bad. Not for I eating. I do not like it. Like, these people eat it, but you shouldn't eat it. Oh, the one thing in defense, and I don't like even saying this, is that if a sashimi card is left out overnight in the open-air market, that fish might not still be good to eat. That goes from raw to raw ten. Yeah, it's it. Let, I we did mention that it is after hours. It is an open air cart. There is no one manning this stall. 
This is honestly, this is probably wax. It doesn't look That's like probably it's why been iced work. or anything. It doesn't look like there's any sort of refrigeration yeah, no. Dude, in it. These, this is not real food. This is what they, the fake food that they make to make to keep out on display. Oh boy, that's all. Shaggy then like steps to the side to find an actual hot dog cart right next to it. He just didn't look a few feet further. As Scrappy wanders off into a locker room to go have a traumatic experience as Scooby follows. So they do find the dragon beast who comes out of a locker. He exits the locker. Um, Mm. And what he does is he pulls Scooby inside the locker. For seven minutes in heaven. (laughs) There is what I wrote in my notes, a tussle. In which there's, you hear all of this, like, banging around and, you know, like, the outside of the locker shakes because it's like, oh, I guess they're fighting? I hope so. You know? But do, do like that this one is time, the cat it creature? was like, you had a nightmare and you opened the door and your mom and dad were fighting? <laughs> Dude, my mom and dad would fight all the time. It just, Scooby's not, here's the thing, Scooby is not a fighter. And I don't mm, expect no. a man in a suit to pull a dog into an enclosed space. Actually, you know what? Full stop. I don't expect... That's a weird thing to do. From what we know so far in this episode, this ghost is trying to shut down this stadium. Correct. We know on some level there's a human within this costume, so we know this human, for concrete, uh, basic motivate, has his own motivations for wanting to see this stadium shut down. How... Does pulling this dog into this locker, how does that serve your ends? And then Scooby escapes the locker, goes into like a pool, you know, like I guess like how... a, a a big old tub that I presume is like used for therapy for athletes. Yeah, maybe you ice fact. down after a game, and then or Scooby... maybe just in Japan they don't have showers; they've got tubs where all the guys get in. I mean, hot baths are very, are a common part of Japanese culture. I could see them conflating those two things, and and then Scooby. In lieu of a shower in which to sort of huddle underneath, just does laps in this tub. Yeah, and then almost like he's trying to create a whirlpool. Scrappy's like, "Oh, you're you're doing laps to get strong, so you can fight monsters yeah. to tone up, so you can beat him up again." You you do that, Uncle Scooby. Scrappy, I you know at the beginning of this when Scrappy appeared in the theme song, it's been so long since we've seen Scrappy that for me it was like seeing someone that I hadn't seen since high school. Like, I didn't like you at the time. Like, someone I didn't like in high school. But just seeing you now, I'm happy to see you. It's been so long. It's taken me back. But then, it was like talking to that person from high school for a little bit. It's are like, we no, thinking about the same person? We are thinking about the same person, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And uh, it didn't turn out to be as nice as it felt at first. The rest of the gang, after talking to Mr. Husa, I bet basically everybody convenes on the pitch. They're out on the mound. Um, the uh, dragon beast shows up. There's a green smoke thing. He gets big. He disappears again. There's a fun little gag where Scooby and Shaggy are both running away, one after the other, and they keep pulling the other back. That's a fun little gag to you? I like it. Yeah. I I, I did not care for that, actually. I, I Please did not explain. like the moment. Because they say every coward for himself. Not an unusual thing to hear. But it wasn't just every coward for himself. It's that kind of thing where you like you trip your friends so that you can outrun the bear. They keep yanking the one in front of them behind them. Like yes. they keep forcing each other. It's They keep trying to doom the other one to save themselves. That's so anti-Scooby and Shaggy. Mm. I see what you mean. And I like the gag. I, I like the execution of the gag but the idea of it does not sit nice with me i want my buddies buddying all right okay i see what you're getting at 
But I, I do see what you mean. I, I thought it could have been fun. So um, um, there's also a mystery figure that they see, and then a said mystery figure collides with Scooby and Shaggy. It is Kent Shamudo, and he had a disagreement with Mr. Husai. He says, yeah, uh, he was just kicked off the team after a disagreement with Mr. Husai. Evan, what was that disagreement? Uh, I don't know. We will never know what that disagreement was. It could have been they don't like the same TV show. It could have been they're using child labor at the stadium. For motive, um, Ken says it serves Mr. Husai right that he's going out of business, which is motive. Velma responds, friendly guy. And that too, I love the line reading. By the way, sorry, this is jumping back a ways. The person in this episode that you didn't care for, who is the person that annoyed you? Velma. Velma. I was about Velma to ask. is the worst in this episode. Is it because of things like this where she's like, friendly guy? Like she's just no, being no, sarcastic? No. I like that. I liked it when she's like, in a word, Shaggy? Yes. yes. I like that. Um, so, anyway. Uh, so well, let me but we'll get to this. the stuff you didn't like about hers. They yeah. go up to a thing. And then they find she's she's really doing her most. She finds these extra bright bulbs up in like a the scoreboard uh, billboard yeah, thing. Yeah, little control room. Hmm, I think we're on to something. And right here is where she starts to become insufferable to me. She says to the camera, "Come on, guys." She just keeps saying that she knows what's going on and that she's figuring it out over and she over keep, and over again. And I was just like, shut up, Velma. She's blues cluesing it. She's Dora the Explorer. Or don't say it. Like, I, <laughs> I don't... I think we figured this out. It's like, okay, great. So, what? Dude, I, I love you, man. I gotta say, I think this is... I'm gonna accuse you of sexism, bro. Yeah, uh, I, internalized misogyny. Is that? I think this is something Fred does every single episode, and you have a problem seeing Velma do it. And maybe it's just because it's Velma instead of Fred, not a woman beat instead of a man. I, I was incensed. Well, well, let's we'll get to the end. We'll see if our list, if I can convince our listeners to mm. also become misogynist. No, no, no. I just, <laughs> <laughs> to, to see where I'm coming from. Um, and I'm providing the soft counterpoint. I'm actually playing the straw man who's ready to go down to make your point <laughs> seem stronger. So well, you know what, Evan? You're right. We should be misogynists. They they go to their hotel, and in a w- really weird turn of events, the dragon beast is like, can't let these guys go to their hotel. Tarzan's off of the roof of the stadium onto the roof of their taxi. And cut to commercial, we don't see anything further with that taxi sequence. Normally you'd think you'd see him like Terminator ripping people out of the car or something like that. But we just cut to the hotel after that. That is a bonker sequence, even though I love the setting. What was he... What was he Tarzaning off of? We don't see. We don't know. It's like an early Spider-Man game where you just right, where, where, shoot where you straight. You web like, into the you're, ether. You're webbing the moon and then swinging off of that, or you might as well be. I, I don't know. I loved it. But what I love most, my favorite part of the episode is the scene that followed. So Scooby, they're, they're all in their hotels. We don't see Fred. We don't see Velma. We, we don't see Daphne. Scooby and Shaggy are sharing a, a queen or a, whatever, like a queen bed. Scrappy has his own tiny little bed. So small, so I, cute. I was sure Scrappy was gonna have a drawer bed. You I know what I mean? Drawer Pull beds. out the drawer a little bit, tuck him in. Dude, when I was a child, I all because I was still the appropriate size. I was always like, man, how sick would it be to sleep in a drawer? And then we saw that episode of Seinfeld, and we're like, oh, I guess it's not as glamorous. Maybe I did. Someone get trapped in a drawer in that episode? I don't think I've seen that one actually. Oh, Kramer, I think has a bunch of like people 
uh, living with him to make extra rent money, and they're like sleeping in his drawers. And because it's Kramer and it's Seinfeld, it's not portrayed as like a fun kid thing. <laughs> not like it would be here. Um, but the the sequence that happens is that Scooby and Shaggy are dressed up in their Ebenezer Scrooge jammies, and there's a rap, rap, rap at their window. This is a wonderful gag. I think it's so great. It's among the best classic gags I've ever seen, where Scooby groggily gets out of bed and like kind of lumbers over to the window and opens it up to, of course, the dragon beast, like growling at him. And then Scooby then closes it and then groggily makes his way back to bed, gets under the covers and says to Shaggy, it's for you. (laughs) It's, there's so much, there's a lot going on there in a relatively short scene where the dragon beast has his perspective. Scooby is not grasping any of it, but enough of it to get Shaggy. He's like, not for me, it must be for you, Shaggy. Shaggy has the real reaction when he goes and opens it up and has this scream moment. It's very effective. It's very funny. I think partially because there's a certain amount of relatability to it. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, when you're tired, you just do stuff. And you're like, this isn't my thing. Hey, it's for you. You deal with it. Even if yeah, it's- I just want to get back into bed where it's warm. All I know is it's not my problem. It's so, just as soon as it's for you, that was a literal laugh out loud moment for me. <laughs> I lolled. Because yeah. he, he doesn't even, he, he doesn't even you. say anything to the dragon beast. He just sees that it's not something that concerns him. <laughs> and sends Shaggy on his way. Although maybe a little bit low-key, a little bit of bitterness from when Shaggy was yanking Scooby behind him. Which is like, hey Shaggy, dogs run faster than humans, man. Deal with it. <laughs> Um, there's a Scrappy trap that Scrappy sets up, which obviously... Frickin' Scrappy. Obviously catches Scooby and Shaggy bundled up in a blanket that scoops them, and kind of leaves them vulnerable for this monster that we know probably wants to kill them from how it treated Scooby. It probably would have killed them if Fred, Daphne, and uh, Velma hadn't popped in the room. They show up, at which point, the ghost, and I wrote this in my notes, not, or the Dragon Beast, runs away... Like a coward. <laughs> He's a really petty, cowardly he ghost. He 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 does. runs away from them like they're the monsters. Presumably Tarzan swinging onto somebody else's taxi and making his way back to the stadium. By the way, what did you leave for? At this stage, what I'm thinking is the gang somehow got a hold of the real diamond somehow and is has possession of it. Like they gotten it swapped in luggage. I thought ah. there, I thought there was some element here because him trying to sneak into the room. I thought, why would he want to scare them? They're already away from yeah, the stadium. Yeah, why is he menacing them so far away? Like presumably, um, if they come back tomorrow, just do it again then. Come on, he's getting away. Let him, let him. <laughs> and Shaggy also. I thought we weren't going to chase mystery, chase the mystery until morning. Well, that was before the mystery started chasing us. That was a good voice. Thank you. Uh, and they chase the monster into a fireworks factory. So let me just say, a fireworks factory is, pun intended, a a potential powder keg for comedy. A tinderbox of controversy as well, though, given the setting. Yes, um, that's true. Uh, But So they're in this fireworks factory. So Scrappy is like, "Uh, Shady, Uncle Scooby! He gives them candles uh, to light their way. It is a dark factory. It is the middle of the night. They're clearly fireworks. Fireworks? I would say they're clearly dynamite. They look like dynamite, like red sticks of dynamite. They look like sticks of dynamite. I mean, they might be fireworks, but like, I think my expectation watching them was dynamite. I felt like that's what we were supposed to do. Here's the thing I'm waiting for the payoff. I'm waiting for the payoff. I'm waiting for the payoff. Um, They find crates that say USA on them. 
And Daphne's like, oh, looks like these are going to the USA. And Velma's like, maybe. Or it might mean something else. And I'm just like, Velma. Velma, I see what you mean here. Just say it. Say it. My note. (laughs) If you know, if you know, say it. (laughs) Just freaking say it. At least say it to the, here's what I'll say. Even if you don't say it to the audience, First of all, stop looking the audience in the eye when you say you know what's going on. But don't don't rub it in our faces. But at least say it to, like, show us that you're communicating with your teammates. Because right now, it looks like Velma's hoarding all the information and making executive decisions. She is hoarding all yeah, the like, information. Yeah, like, to everyone else's detriment. Like, this is a contest. Yeah, it's like, no, we're all, we're all in this together. Uh, Vel- <laughs> the, the payoff with a dynamite, if, if you can call it this, is that... <laughs> The dragon beast comes up behind Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy, and they hand him the candles or the dynamite and then run away. And so you think then what's going to happen? It's going to blow up in his face. He's going to get those scorch marks on his face. The scorch marks and his hair or whatever is going to be all blown up. Dips both of his hands in a bucket of water, and the scene ends. No payoff. The, The most subversive cartoon scene I've ever seen in my life and I've seen all of OKKO can you imagine can you imagine if in a Looney Tunes cartoon there was a lit stick of dynamite and the end gag the end of the gag was them just like extinguishing it and being like oh that's it that was just inscrutable to me I don't know why they blue balled the audience (laughs) so hard with that it was impenetrable I I did not get it I see uh... at this point Velma's like I, and I didn't write the exact quote, but she's like, oh, we can pretty much solve things now. Let's go back. That was pretty annoying there. I'll give Velma, you that. shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Here's one moment that happens there after the dra- dragon beast goes away. I loved two line readings in an episode with a lot of great deliveries. Daphne says, well, he got away again. And, and delivers that line like a champ. Like, just this light coating of sarcasm. Shag in response... How lucky can we get? (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think, some peak Scooby-Doo dialogue, despite the Blues Cluesy and Velma moments. There's some really, yeah, I just like the, uh, he's gonna, let him, let him, let him, let him. (laughs) This is, that's the kind of cowardly. We're pitch perfect on that. We go back to Nakamura Stadium, uh, to Mr. Husai's office, so Velma can try something that she's not, still not gonna inform anybody about. Uh, Mr. Husai is writing up the paperwork to sell the stadium, which is bonkers. This is such a condensed episode. Literally, the first ever game where the Dragon Beast showed up just took place mere hours ago, and Mr. Husai is already like, time to sell. It does seem like he kind of had it a little bit in mind already when it's like, he gets the call like, Mr. Husai, there's a Dragon Beast, and he's like already opening his drawer and pulling out like prepared sale papers. The contracts. The deeds. He's texting his broker to get him to uh, paging his broker excuse me given the the year which may be his financial advisor maybe it's a you know what i want to chalk it up to the fact that it's a clue it's a clue it's a clue that that's what he's doing it's a he's, clue. So he's too ready We're maybe hinting a little bit at what's to come velma says mr hosai before you do that at least check and make sure the baseball diamond is still in the safe and i was like oh it's gone it's gone he, i really like he opened this. the safe and i was just like oh it's it's, it's not going to be there well, what happened but Velma, and for some reason, he allows Velma to walk up and be the one to pull it out of the safe. And she does. It's still in there. But then she kind of, like, drops it, like, whoa, 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 but catches it before it hits the ground. It only tips and, like, hits the side of the case within. And in that moment, I thought, Velma is Ocean's Elevensing this baseball diamond. I thought, or or Ocean's aiding it, excuse me, as it were. <laughs> yes, yeah, 2018, man, come on. Pardon me. 
Um, and because I, unlike you, was so far on Velma's side this episode, I wanted that to be the case, and I wanted her to get away with it. You wanted Velma to pull a heist. I wanted, I was, I wanted so badly for the ending of this episode to be a flashback sequence where we saw the second half of that score. We didn't see that, but we do see it's still in there, and Velma's like, oh, I guess it is still fine. She writes it and gets it off of the glass within the case and puts it back. And that's pretty much the end of the scene. So here, Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy were in the locker room earlier. They know the Dragon Beast came out of a specific locker. What they didn't do at the time was check to see if the locker had a false back. And it doesn't make sense to me why the three of them would go back unprompted, like of their own volition, and try and check out the back of that locker. I see why Scrappy would and why Scooby and Shaggy might have to chase after, but instead, Shaggy's asking, he's almost like asking to be led there, like, so Scrappy, what was the number? Like, all oh, 13, don't you know all 13's unlucky? Shaggy, what are you doing? There's no food down here. <laughs> I want to say this one little note. Before when we came down, Scrappy was rifling through and immersing himself in dirty towels, just like a hamper full of dirty <laughs> towels. Maybe Scrappy's going after that again? Do you not like that? Do you not like I the idea of like dirty that. towels? So, so disgusting. Um, this is a real Daphne and Velma the movie moment, I think, here, where we do see that there is a false back to this locker, and we go through. At the same time, Fred, Daphne, and Velma are on the baseball diamond. The dragon beast shows up again, like he has in the past. Scooby, Scrappy, and Shaggy show up underneath, right on the pitcher's mound, right under the dragon beast. I think we take for granted secret passages that leave out of lead out of manhole covers so much. On this pitcher's mound, there's a manhole cover. It took me a minute to even bring myself to question that logic. So, the dragon beast is like, he, at this point, his his whole gimmick at appearing out of nowhere has been revealed. That's the trap door. That's the trap door, and his reaction here is not. More foolish mortals, I will get you for this. It's, I will get you, I will get you, basically for humiliating me. <laughs> like, he's got the note of a, yeah. of a humiliated high school student who's upset at the jocks. You've made a fool of me. Yeah, I can't believe you wedgied me in front of the cool kids. I'll get you, Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy. So, the Dragon Beast chases them down into the secret passage. Um, behind him, he leaves curious metal bands. Velma says... To the audience, because we love it when she does this. <laughs> ah, the final piece of the puzzle! Or something like that. Oh, <laughs> insufferable. This I, is the worst she's been for you uh, ever. Wow. She lays it on so thick. So, Subi, Shaggy, and Scrappy, Triple S, um, make it out of the locker. They lock the Dragon Beast in the locker, but the Dragon Beast still busts through, knocks the whole thing down. We then have a scooby dupe when they all make it back out to the pitch. I like this, because in my notes, for the sake of succinctness i was referring to the dragon beast as a db me too yeah and which is what they call it the dragon beast hey db come on out for your batting practice they get him set up in front of uh, a, a pitching machine and yeah i also like that they called him db and that they dressed up in the full like yankees style uh baseball gear to, to do the gag so this is the scooby dupe that they're enacting right now scooby dupe uh, it's a gag that Scooby and Shaggy typically do with the monster. They create a social scenario that's so strong, the monster's forced to comply and be a part of it. In this case, obviously, they're making the, the monster believe that he is, in fact, a baseball player. Hmm. Typically, the Scooby dupe is enacted for Scooby and Shaggy to escape. In this case, 
they use the Scooby-Doo to capture the monster. Remarkably, they actually use it to catch the monster. And what do you what do you think of this dupe in execution? I like the dupe. I like the. I mean, it makes sense. Mm. Just like oh, we're we're at a baseball stadium. We're gonna like yeah. make him think that he's he's out there. I I want to come up with our dupes. Let's uh let's come up with our dupes and then play this out. What what would be your dupe for this? I'd, I'd given mine just a moment's thought, but I don't have mine quite ready. I okay. I used to watch a lot of baseball. Mm, funny enough, I've n- never watched baseball. Uh yeah, when I when I lived with my granddad, we used to watch baseball a lot on TV. And I'm just trying to think of one thing that's like very baseball. I think it's gonna be that um that the monster catches one of them. Maybe the monster catches Scooby, and then Shaggy is out in the dugout, and he takes off his hat and he like throws it on the ground. He's like, "No, no, no! We need, we need like video playback. Like we need, we need to see the cameras." I like the video playback. Yeah, and then and then we actually see that like I guess the monster like doesn't quite like maybe it's you know the monster like doesn't their the monster's foot wasn't like. Mm. It like it know. didn't quite touch. It, it skimmed it's, past. It's revealed that it's not basically. Like the monster did not, in fact, catch Scooby. If I can combine mine with yours, okay. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy then like run on the field to confront the monster about it and start kicking dirt onto his shoes, <laughs> creating a smoke screen for them to get away. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> is such a. I, that's not like a real part of baseball anymore. No, but it's but it is so such in the funny in the history of baseball on screen. Yeah, that's the a big whole thing. like yeah. we can't fight each other, but we We're will kick get dirt, dirt on, on each other's legs. <laughs> I want that to appear. My I wanted my gag. I, I don't have one beyond that, but I wanted my gag to be dugout gags because um, that's something that someone like me who only watches gifs of baseball and not the actual playing knows about it is all the stuff that baseball players do when they're in the dugout board like playing around with paper cups or oh yeah mugging yeah. to the camera and stuff but I, don't, I couldn't think of much to do with that i like yours a lot better um but what actually happens here is that they set the demon beast up in front of the pitching machine and then they set the pitching machine to just start bludgeoning him into a concussive uh yield position let me tell you what's what a fastball is like 90 some miles per hour which is to say that if these are slow pitches they're like in the 70s range look these would be vintage at this point but let's say a little league pitching machine pitches between 20 to 45 miles per hour i looked it up uh 20 miles per hour is fast to take a baseball to any part of the body baseballs are some of the hardest balls they are super hard balls bro they're really hard and this Monster, the, the Dragon Beast does everything he can to communicate that to us. He's, ow, ah, no! He begs, <laughs> begs to stop. Okay, this was, I think, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the episode, is the monster saying, no, no, wait, no, no, please, no, my, no, no. My favorite part is when they've thoroughly caught him and the net has covered him, like a net went over him and he's still getting pelted by baseballs. The one to two moments where Scrappy just watches before he turns the dial off. And from there, we've got our wrap-up. It's time for the... Yeah, the racist police officer shows up. Ugh. Um, Velma, it's simple when you put all the clues together. Velma. <laughs> you know what, Devin? You've brought me around to it. I'm now against Velma on this. I I do wish she did this less. Even though... She has some of the best dialogue in this episode, but also the most infuriating dialogue it's, in this episode. It's terrible. And I 
you know, the more I think about it, the more in these, some of these early episodes, Velma plays as the ringleader and the potential protagonist. Looking back on Daphne and Velma the movie, as much as I loved it, Velma is kind of more the traditional protagonist than Daphne, though I still love Daphne and Velma even as a play on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does the breakdown for us. First of all, the Dragon Beast was using the fireworks in the scoreboard, the scoreboard lights to create the holographic kind of projection of himself bigger on the pitch. Uh, the boxes don't say USA, they actually say Husai, because they were... With a metal mm-hmm. with a metal band on either side covering up the H and the I, so it looks like it says USA. That I really liked. I didn't see it coming. Or, I mean, we've sort of already given it away, but... There are so few people it possibly could have been. There are more red herrings or suspects than other episodes we've seen. But it's it's either Mr. Husai, Willie Turner, Kent um what's Ken Sumoto or uh, Sumoto, excuse me. Ken Sumoto or one of the people who was named the, but had no lines. Either the Japanese the Japanese pitcher or the American um, batter. And let's eliminate it as we go. Um, Will Turner was presumably close to winning this game. Why would he want to shut it down when he's about to take the trophy home for the U.S. for the first time? Uh, Ken Sumoto, we would have to see him again for him to be the villain. Yeah. We do not see or hear of him again for the rest of eternity. I will say it's not explained. It's pretty shady that he's running away He's a shadowy figure running around the stadium where he no longer works. In the middle of the night, yeah. I think it's and safe we also... to say that he was sabotaging uh, Mr. Husai in some way. Well, that's it, it really makes me wonder how bad a villain Mr. Husai is, because I do think Ken Sumoto is shady, but, but like, Mr. Husai, spoiler alert, he's the villain. He was also shady. What was their disagreement about? Was Ken like, hey, I don't think we should have a dragon beast running around shutting down the whole game. I do think we should. You're off the team. I respect that. I'm going to go hope that you fail in business, but do nothing to further that. Like, I, I just, I have no idea. And I want to know. I want one throwaway line at the end on that. I, I, I like Mr. Husai's motivations. I like the fact that he hmm. had stolen the diamond. Years ago. Years ago. This is a long, I guess a long con that's finally coming to an end. And I think, I guess, Japan just had it so well in hand for every previous baseball game that he'd never bothered with the Dragon Beast until now. But I like to imagine he's had it in storage ever since he stole the baseball diamond. Like, he's been ready to pull this heist. Or justify the heist. Cover the heist. Yeah, all he wants to do is shut down the stadium because apparently, without a stadium, there's no more international series. And they can keep the trophy and no one can ever see that it's a fake. But also... They'd finish the tournament at a different stadium. And wouldn't the rest of the world continue playing this international series? Or is Mr. Husai... Yeah. Look, if Mr. Husai... No, you know what? That kind of makes sense. If Mr. Husai not only owns Nakamura Stadium and is the person who runs this international series, there's no way he could be like, this international series is over, I no longer want to do it, because it's good for the country as a whole. But see, it's not just that he runs the international series, it's that he owns the Japanese baseball team. He would have to run the series, own the stadium, and own the team, because when the team wins, he holds on to the trophy. If you think about it, this is a pretty sketchy series. You know what I mean? This is almost as bad as FIFA. 
Um, Mr. Husai, it's just so... He should be successful enough now that he could buy back. Also, he said he stole it. He didn't say he sold it. Put it back! You're a successful businessman. Put it back, man. No, he's just got it in, like, his bathroom on this stand. He just likes to look at it. The one... I, I also like... I did like this, even though it's another Velma moment that might not play off great. But I liked that what Velma was doing when she pretended to drop the, uh the baseball diamond, was to intentionally rub the diamond against the glass, not scratching the glass, thereby proving that it was a fake diamond. Pretty good. In the Thelma, case. Thelma's really on top of things. She really knows what she's doing. She just refuses to let anyone else know what to she's doing. shut up about it. She refuses both to shut up about it and to share about it. So the, the episode closes with, like, I guess custom fireworks... Which one of which is supposed to be Scooby? Well, Scooby sets off his firework, and then you see this sparkly Scooby up there in the sky. I, I presume because fireworks show the true essence of who you are, and <laughs> Scooby is exactly who he appears to be, and his firework reflects that. But then Scrappy sets off his, and it is a dragon monster. It is a reptilian, mischievous beast that hates Scooby and only is going to make his life harder. And it chases the Scooby firework away. It chases... That's the thing. Scrappy's like, oh, looks like I got the wrong firework. No, you got the right one, Scrappy. Here's my final note on this episode. Hmm. I think my favorite part about it as a whole is the fact that this entire mystery takes place in an evening. I like that too, and that's, you know, that's one of my most common criticisms of feature films nowadays, is that they try and communicate a really long, meaningful journey in the course of a night or a few hours, and it's not successful. You can't believably move characters to become new people that much in that short a period of time. Um, but here, it's one episode, it's one mystery, and we don't need to move those characters. I really like it as a single night. And, and... Like, I imagine this, like, live action. I imagine them just being, like, you know, the time... Maybe, maybe like, when they catch the ghost, the sun starts to, starts to rise. Mm. You know, in the land of the rising sun, oh, you know, it's already kind of, oh, like, dang. you know, it really ties it all it's together. Good. I just really love that idea that, like, we came here, there's a mystery, we solved it, it's done, and then we can go, like, enjoy. And here's the thing. Most episodes take place over like two days some some of them also in one day some of them also in one evening but i think this just felt so explicitly like within a single night they even go to a hotel to go to sleep and then wake up and get back to the mystery it still yeah. feels like i think the chronology is strong i i completely agree i think it's and it's like a movie this is a bad comparison probably but crank where you really feel the progression and you feel the weight of the time that's passed on the characters as it goes on. They they didn't do it as much as they could have. They didn't do it at all, but I would have liked to see a little bit of the fatigue. And in a live action episode, we would have seen that. Here, they just do enough to pace it out and to tell us where we are in Tokyo and in this story to make us feel like we know where we are. I really liked it. I thought this is, even though I didn't care, I don't care for Scrappy in general, this is classic Scrappy. This is him doing exactly what he was built to do. I, one last thing, really basic thing, I really liked that the, uh, the MacGuffin in this episode or the whatever was called the Baseball Diamond. It was, it's right there, it's an easy joke, but it's a good one. You like, like that they went for it. I like that they went for it. It'd be like if, uh, the sport was football and there was, like, a weird alternate dimension called the End Zone or, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> or it's like a, a hockey episode and there's a guy who always scores three points in a row and they call him Hat Rick <laughs> or, or something like that. Like it's, it's obvious, but I'm glad they went for it. My two examples weren't even as good as Baseball Diamond, which is just mm, perfect. Yeah, gem. weren't even as good. You're right. <laughs> yeah, man, that was <laughs> humble of me, right, man? I want to, I one final thing to end with. I wanted to find something. Um, You're not happy with Hat Rick? Oh, here's... <laughs> the end zone? No, I'm not. You'll know I'm not, but I cut them out of the episode. Here's one thing. We brought up race early on. Let's bookend it with that. Is this a racist episode? Is there really racist stuff in here? It's sad to say, but at a certain point in time, I think that if you could replace all of the Asian people with white people and still have the same story be told, that was very progressive. And now I think we're at a time where it's like, Mm. what is having these characters be Asian really adding to the story? Because I feel like no matter who you're casting, there should be added dimension and depth. Mm. But in this case... So I, I th- so like being progressive, I think has meant different things at different times. And so in this era, having them be Japanese people, but they're not weird. They're they're just like normal. There, I think there's like stages of acceptance, and one of the early ones is people who are different than me are normal and are just like me. And beyond that, there's they're just like me, but they're different too, and they can be unique. And there's things to be appreciated there. And here we're still at the normalizing stage. Yeah. So acknowledging the normalcy or normalizing, as you as you said, I think is very important and was effectively done for the most part in this episode. For the most part, there are some little um, microaggressions you might say. I mean, Scrappy himself, although we don't see it on screen, we know in the moments in between the scenes is Logan Paul visiting Japan. Like he is going to the suicide for it. He's throwing a fish on a taxi. He's that's scrappy for you. He's did already Logan running Paul around. Did Logan throw a fish on a taxi? He did. He just like bought a fish and just like stuck it on a car and like Look. But uh, like there's this one moment I I skipped over at the time when Ken Shimoto is Ken Sumoto is introduced. Fred says Fred says the famous Japanese ball player Ken Sumoto and it's like dude you don't need to tell him he's Japanese. <laughs> you don't need to tell anyone he's Japanese, but not him, least of all. And there is some of that mentality of like, yeah. it's they're not quite sure how they want to handle it. But compared to the last episode, I would say it's actually a, maybe a slight improvement. We ended with a really racist police officer, but we didn't end with a really racist rodent. And that's something. Oh man, Mystery Masked Mix-Up was a ride. And again... I just want to, my final two cents, I just want to give him props for calling sashimi sashimi. Yep, I'll, I'll do the same. I want to take those props right away from them for saying yuck to raw sushi, though, so <laughs> call it a break-even episode. Well, well, Evan, we're here at the end of a, a long episode, and I'm here at the end of a, a nice long dinner party uh, here for the outro. And I, uh, I have to say, I kind of, I need your help, bud. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I can do whatever. How do you get rid of a really like clingy, resilient final guest? Like, there's this one last person who's here at the party, and they're just not going home. What, what's their excuse? How are they, how are they managing to hang on to your hospitality? Well, honestly, they, they they've completely made themselves at home. They kind of did it by increments, so I didn't really see it. Ha- I wasn't sure at which point I should have interjected and kind of. Um, uh, voiced um, I should I should have said something they or, or at this point they're in like their nightwear um, just reclining on the couch looking at their phone 
kind of scratching themselves. Well, here, here, here. Yeah. Is the phone almost out of battery? I, I don't know, but like it's, they've been doing this for a while, and the, clearly the brightness is on pretty high. So the battery... I think that's a good sign. You wait for their phone to die. Once their phone dies, I just say, sorry, I don't have Android. Any outlets. I, any, or yeah, like, I don't have your type. What kind of phone do you have again? Oh, sorry, that's the one kind I don't have. No, no, just say, what, yeah, well, yeah, what kind of phone is it? Is it like a 110? Is it a 220? Sorry, our, all of our outlets are 330. Why would I go no out? Why would I go to outlets? <laughs> <laughs> outlets. Like, I'm sorry, what kind of phone do you have? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have electricity. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, but yeah, like, what do I, I, I guess the phone, yeah, I'll wait for the phone to die out. I think, I think this guest might have heard me talking about them. <laughs> I mean, your apartment is not large. No, it's not. It's very small. At this, I've, I'm kind of talking at the same volume I was when the dinner party was happening earlier, but now it's much quieter. I can really tell. Which our listeners can't tell because it's, I did such a great job, I anticipate editing the intro. And now we've also got to shuffle off perhaps the most resilient of guests, our listeners. <laughs> listeners, you've overstayed your welcome. It's time for you to go. We are very firmly, yet politely, asking you to leave. I'm getting out the vacuum cleaner. I'm vacuuming, like, around your feet. What do you do? I think you exact with a, with a little bit of exasperation, you start to fill the dishwasher. Ooh, yeah. If, if you start doing dish stuff, I feel like people feel terrible. But then you... It's, it's really where uh, rubber meets road for some people because that might be the moment where they're like, here, let me help you with the dishes. And you're like, where oh, will this no. end? And you don't know how I want the dishes done. You have no idea how to load my dishwasher. You're either going to use, like, no soap or way too much. You, there's a, you're, you're a lot of juicy details that you're throwing out right now. Like, this is too familiar. There's, there's a lot that, like, listeners, this is the time where we're saying, we're, hey, here's the dish, putting it in the dishwasher. Here, let me get that for you. Oh, definitely. Do you have a ride home, by the way? Are you an Uber or a Lyft person? Like, we're, how, what kind of hint do we have to drop, listeners, for you to turn off the goddamn fucking podcast and get on with your day? As you make your way out the door, this will we'll treat this like a child's birthday party. What we'll do is we'll we'll put together a little loot bag. Mmm, I love. Oh, dude, I miss loot bags. Dude, loot bags are so sick. I went to an adult birthday party a couple years back, and they gave out loot bags. That's how you know it's like a good party. Also, weddings gotta have loot bags if you want to have happy visitors. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I feel bad. Weddings, it feels like it shouldn't be required. No, birthdays. It feels like it should be required. Birthdays for sure. I, you know what? I'm, if I get a job that I think I'm gonna get, I'm gonna throw a big party, and I think loot bags are definitely gonna be part of that party. Yeah, man, definitely. In fact, I'm gonna say weddings. Don't, don't you dare give a loot bag. That's money you should be like putting towards your future life. Birthday, you just got a bunch of gifts for turning another year older. Give us a loot bag. Give us one little ninety-nine cent store bag on the way out the door. Yeah, man. Uh, so, so we've got a little loot bag for our listeners. Here's what we're going to put in. I've, I've taken a little bit of social media, some social media links. So maybe okay, yeah, you, put one thing you in, reach yeah. into your bag, you pull out, uh, it says facebook.com slash scoopy dudes. Mm. That's, a, that's a nice little nice little treat for you wow, later. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to throw in a, another little piece of social meds. I'm going to uh, throw in a, uh, oh, look, it's a little toy bird. It's a little Tweety Bot. It's, uh, it's a Twitter. It's at the Scooby Dudes, where you can tweet at us. A little reminder. And everyone knows that. Uh, what does everyone know, Evan? I mean, do we even need to say it? Everyone knows every, it. All of, our, all of our Bible listeners, you've got the, your social meds and you've got your social Persians. And that's. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
I know. I feel really bad about that. I, it's so late. I don't know. I think we've got a lot of a classic Americans in this baseball episode. It's a lot of uh, social meads and potatoes types. Yeah, it's kind of kind of weak. It's we're at the end of a long night, honestly, listeners. We've been entertaining you for so long. We've kept the hors d'oeuvres moving. We've kept we're, we're we kept so many plates spinning. You don't know what we had to do to prepare for this evening. Cut us a little bit of slack. We're, we've pulled up a chair directly in front of you. We're brushing our teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So I and 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 yeah, just to top off this bag, ScoobyDudes.com. Head over there. Show notes for this episode. I have taken screenshots of this episode. Luke and I have written humorous captions. They're very funny. That we have. They're on the website. You'll find that you can uh, email us at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Um, we, we also, on our website, have title card art that's original every week. Um, our Patreon money goes largely to cover that. And do we have an artist we can shout out this week, Evan, who's doing more amazing work for us? Uh, yes. Her name is Ashley Constant. Ashley. She has been a constant friend to me. And She's a friend of mine. And her work has been undisputably Ashley throughout her tenure here at the Scooby Dudes. Um, and, and again, we get that. We are able to support these art, amazing artists such as Ashley um, by the grace of our beloved donors at patreon.com slash Scooby Dudes. And, and in fact, <clears throat> you may have noticed that our intro cut off a little bit early. Do you want to hear the rest of that introduction? Man, I actually would love to hear the rest of that introduction. It was juicy. It was, uh, it was, a, lot, it was a lot of fun to do that intro with you, Evan, but it was a little long. And little snippets like that that we trim from the episode, that often goes on Patreon. So go on Patreon. Donate money to us, and you'll be able to hear content such as the rest of that intro, which went on for, I think, like, three more minutes after that. Yeah. Going into... It's, it's quite a it's, bit. It's some, uh, some fun little diversions. In addition, if you donate to us on Patreon on a monthly basis, Luke and I will say your names. Oh, we'll say them, we'll say them just once, surely. There's no way we... No, 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 no. We will say them every single week. Every single week? Well, that's that's kind of hard to believe. Surely that would take forever. There's no way we could do that in less than like ten minutes. This outro is gonna go long. You know what? It's just it's just a sacrifice that we choose to make. Yeah, we've gotta roll up our oral sleeves, our lips, I guess, and <laughs> and say these names. You ready to roll up your lips and say some names, bud? Yeah, sure. Me- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take that, yes. Thank you to these beloved donors. Lastly, certainly not leastly. Far from the leastly. If you have an iTunes account, head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and I, Evan, will read it on this podcast. Do we have any new five-star reviews to read this week? We don't have any new five-star reviews. We did receive... Another five-star rating. Okay, well, shall we read that so on I the can podcast? Say that. Yeah, here. Well, no, no, there's, it's just someone who gave us five stars. That's literally yeah, it. Yeah, well, we should like, still take no... a moment and read that absence of a review on air. Give them their due. I mean, they did Okay, okay. Here they I did do right. it. I, here, let me just let you read that right now. I think that was good. Yeah. Hey, it was worthwhile. You know it's what? Profound. It's great. If you just want to leave us five stars, that is very helpful. 
Yeah, but I think, hey, if you've got the platform, you've got our ear, and you're giving us what we want, you might as well get something in return for that. Write us that five-star review that says why you like the Scooby-Dude so much, and maybe throw in there just something like, I love you, Luke. Because hey, maybe, listener- maybe, 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 maybe you want to leave a review where I say something along the lines of, Luke, I've never loved you. Our oh. friendship is a sham. It's now that's- built on deception. Listeners, that's true of you and me, listeners, because we have no friend. That is a sham. That's something I put on every week. It's maybe, my... Maybe you want to write a review on iTunes that says, I, Evan Young, nope. mm. have never once felt a modicum Ooh. of... Uh, uh. Of, of amicability what? towards Luke David Doty. Oh, listeners, I'll be honest. You've overstayed your welcome in my home, and now you're theoretically putting words in Evan's mouth that I don't want to hear from Evan's lips, his curled up sleevy lips. <laughs> sleevy lips, by the way, is quite an artist. You never want to call any part of the human body a sleeve. <laughs> it's so disgusting. Oh, man. What's your favorite <laughs> sleevy, sleevy lip song? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, wait, what, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, listeners, I'm not happy with you. Theoretically, I want you to put nice words in Evan's mouth that he's gonna say to me. But really, we can't dictate it. You can say whatever you want in your iTunes review, but whatever you do, come back next week and join us for another very special episode of the Scooby Dudes. And again, thanks for coming. Bye. Thanks. I can't quite remember what the name of was of my favorite sleepy lip song. song. I think it was something about a one-finged glove. A one-finged glove? That that could be. I don't know Fleetwood Mac stuff very well. Doesn't CV Nick sing that song? I don't know what song you're referring Just like to. It's the one-winged glove sing the song. Isn't School of Rock? Isn't the one-winged glove sing the song that was singing? singing. Yeah, cut all of this. Yeah, it's definitely getting cut, man. There's no way in in uh, in heckity heck that this makes it in. I'm pressing stop.